Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. We're going to switch now as we talk about the business impact of the coronavirus and how business is adjusting to it. We're going to switch now to another good friend of the program, Mark Densler. Mark is president and CEO of the Illinois Manufacturers Association. Mark, happy Easter to you. Happy Easter, Rick, to you and your listeners, whether they're celebrating Easter or Passover or the coming Ramadan. I wish you all the best. Well, it's been interesting times for the manufacturing sector, and uh, I, I really think uh, it's it's being fair to say uh, it's been quite an effort of your member manufacturers who have been able to step up uh, and and adjust and donate and and really get involved in a, a positive state response to uh, the coronavirus. Well, our nation's had a number of challenges throughout its history, and every single time manufacturers have stood up and risen to the challenge and answered the nation's call. And I'm so proud of the men and women on manufacturing force today that are doing that again, whether it's making life-saving medical products or equipping our first responders or making sure that our shelves are filled with safe, nutritious food. Uh, manufacturers are acting every day uh, to try to to try to address the uh, coronavirus and make uh, our communities a little bit healthier and safer. Well, I know you know certainly, uh, and, and it covers all aspects. It's from things like donating masks to uh, manufacturers, uh, working on uh, new testing results, uh, way to, ways to test for results of coronavirus. You know, it's it's simply amazing the innovation uh, that's happened. We've seen Abbott come, a great Illinois company, come forward with their very rapid testing kit. And then we had an issue of um, reagents or vials, and AbbVie and Lake County answered the call, and they're now producing five to 7,000 of these reagent vials for the Illinois Department of Public Health. Then, Rick, up and down the line, large company and small, I can go through a list. You talk about food, and when the school kids were sent home initially, uh, we reached out to Kraft Heinz, who donated 2,000 pallets of food to help feed the kids. And uh, Richard's Wilcox, and um, some of the neat stories are companies that completely have retooled their facilities. Uh, Richard's Wilcox out in the Aurora area was making shelves and literally on a dime they turned to making emergency hospital beds for McCormick Place and other state hospitals. So it's really been uh, a a warlike type effort by manufacturers to make the products that we need to address this virus. Well, tell us some more of those. I mean, because I don't I don't think they get a lot of attention. I know Abbott did with the testing because we're all focused on the testing. But, you know, what Mm -hmm. are some other instances of, you know, manufacturers making those those switches? Sure. You, you look uh, up and down the state, so Marathon Petroleum and downstate Robinson, Illinois, providing a half million masks to local hospitals, including the Lurie Hospital in Chicago and Crawford Hospital down south. Um, a, a neat story, LCR Hallcrest Company in Glenview, uh, they've increased production to over 100,000 
thermometers every week because obviously testing is important and we're checking the temperature of employees that are coming into facilities, whether it be healthcare facilities or manufacturing, uh, you know, or even a retail store like a Baskin Robbins. Um, you know, folks need those kinds of thermometers. Diageo, the famous liquor manufacturer that makes my favorite Crown Royal, is now making hand sanitizer. Um, you know, so so up and down the line, um, Flag Source out in Batavia, they're a manufacturer of American flags, and they're now making masks and gowns. Um, so companies are completely retooling, or in other cases, they're significantly increasing capacity to meet the needs of Illinoisans and Americans. Uh, are there employment opportunities here? There certainly are, uh, particularly when you look at the food manufacturing sector, the chemical manufacturing sector. Uh, these folks are hiring uh, significantly, uh, just like some of Rob Carr's retail members are hiring as well. Now, we've certainly seen, on the other hand, some manufacturers that are struggling. The auto supply chain, for example, uh, along with the aerospace, are really struggling. But then you look at great IMA members like Ford and General Motors that are now making ventilators. And Ford, with a location in Chicago, they've now made one million face masks uh, in the last week, and they've donated, you know, tens of thousands across Illinois. So, again, you know, large and small, all sectors of the manufacturing space are, are answering the call to to provide these needed supplies. I'm glad you touched on that issue of, of uh, GM and Ford and, and ventilators, because there's been so much back and forth about uh, whether the White House should have in, invoked the D- Defense uh, Production Procurement Act. Uh, and and whether it was uh, you know just a, a cudgel to hold over employers and you know at the same time we do see that we'd have these manufacturers that you know on their own you know jumped in. Um, I was kind of curious what your view was about having that kind of an order you know issued affirmatively and uh, definitively. Well, what I would tell you is even before the president has issued the the Defense Production Act, manufacturers were already repurposing their facilities, and ventilators are one of the most important things we have to have. Uh, I think we would agree that the the federal government was a little bit slow in reacting to what the needs were. Manufacturers stepped in. We're trying to fill that void, and there's been some great successes. Uh, University of Illinois with RapidVent. Uh, a ventilator that they their scientists or brilliant scientists came up with in about five or six days and we worked with the university of illinois and granger school of engineering and we've put them together with some of our manufacturers including brunswick and nti and so some of those ventilators can begin getting uh produced i don't think it needed a presidential declaration i think manufacturers were already starting to produce this equipment I mean, obviously, there's that issue of the heavy hand of government, and, and, I, and I understand mm-hmm. that. But at the same time, just, you know, the, the demand for ventilators, and even with some of these auto manufacturers stepping in, the question, you know, and, and fortunately, you know, in some parts of the country, the numbers are starting to look a little better. Uh, but at, the, at mm-hmm. the time we were debating all this, you know, the, the demand was seemed to be overwhelming and production wouldn't really meet the, the time frame. You know, you're absolutely right. And not just ventilators, but things like N95 masks, uh, 3M, another great Illinois manufacturer, and their, their largest distribution center in the United States is in DeKalb, Illinois. Uh, when they saw the H1N1 virus a decade ago, they, they created the surge capacity. And so they have really ramped up the production of their mask. And I know they've had some negotiations with the president and they've signed an agreement to, I think, provide about 165 million masks. 
But overall, Rick, it really just shows the importance of American manufacturing need to have Illinois manufacturers and policies in place so that we can build this stuff uh, in the United States. So the next time we have a situation, whether it's a virus or a pandemic or some kind of situation, we have all of these things made right here in the United States. I, I wanted to ask you about the, the kind of uh, a partnership or collaboration that uh, you guys have uh, put are working with the uh, Illinois Biotech Innovation Organization as what that means as we address this pandemic. So the governor asked the Illinois Manufacturers Association, our partner John Conrad at iBio, if we would co-chair a task force on essential equipment. So we've done that with other groups like MHUB and MXD and the Chemical Industry Council and the Manufacturing Excellence Center. So we're helping Rick companies increase their production if they're already making this. And then secondly, it's really been heartening the hundreds of companies that have stepped up and raised their hand and say, hey, I want to help out. What can I do? They may be a plastic injection molding company, or they may make China. Um, they may have never produced any of these essential medical uh, equipment parts, and we've all got them into essentially one system now, and we're helping them um, uh, retool their facilities. We're helping them with legal questions or if they need FDA approval because their products are going to start going into health care and hospital systems. So, And then with ventilators, we're putting groups together to try to build these. So. I would tell you, Rick, that it's probably been the most challenging time in my career, uh, most humbling, and in, in some days, very rewarding as well. We've had some great successes. What is it like, you know, for for some of these companies who are, you know, jumping in and, and doing something like, say, you know, on the medical side, where you, there needs to be a certain amount, I guess, of, of vetting and, and regulation, you know, FDA, those kinds of things, uh, which is something that's kind of foreign to the the manufacturing atmosphere that some of these uh, outlets are, are working in. You know, and we really work with every company individually as part of this task force. If they have a clean room and they have already FDA compliance for some products, they might be able to make a new product that is FDA compliant. And then on the other hand, you have companies like the Flag Source out in uh, St. Charles, uh, American flag manufacturer, that they don't have that clean room or sterile environment, but they can make masks that are used by retail workers or manufacturing workers that don't have to be FDA compliant. And so really it's it's every company and the capabilities, the machinery they have, and we're trying to plug them in and, and help them. I mean, they've all raised their hand to help, and so we're trying to plug them into roles that they can fill. Well, I guess I, the reason I ask that is because we often, you know, when we talk about business and government uh, and the issue of regulation, and I guess I'm wondering if you know, obviously businesses wanting less regulation, but have we learned something in trying to respond to this pandemic about red tape? Absolutely, we have. And, you know, one of the things that's come out of this that we've seen the governor do and we've seen the president do is actually relax some of these regulations and red tapes to make it easier to produce. We saw the governor, for example, waive the 80,000-pound truck weight limit so that we can uh, provide more product more quicker and more efficiently to stores. Um, We've seen them relax some of the tax payments and the fee payments and extend those. 
Conversely, on the other hand, Rick, the IMA is still fighting alongside the Farm Bureau and others some ill-advised legislation that would seek to uh, significantly increase costs for chemical plants and refineries and ethanol facilities. And these are the companies right now operating 24-7, making, uh, uh, making products for sanitizers and industrial cleaners. And, you know, the IMA has called on the legislators to stop that legislation right now that would take effect on July 1. So, Again, we need a regulatory environment that's common sense uh, and, and has the certain safety precautions that are necessary, but we can't go overboard and have policies that really hamper the ability to have manufacturing here at home. Do you, do you see the legislature actually doing anything? Uh, you know, we've had conversations with the governor and the four leaders, and, and certainly there are some essential things that they have to get done, including a budget. They're looking, I think, at the hospital assessment plan. Uh, Rick, I would, you know, I would guess that they might come back for a few days. I don't know when that is. You have to talk to the, the leaders and the governor. Um, but I see certainly a shortened legislative session with a, a much narrower focus than they had at the outset. And everything is still kind of a moving target. Uh, budget and everything else. You know, it, it really is. I mean, we don't know what this is going to do to the state finances. The University of Illinois uh, came out with a report the other day, and they're looking at a worst-case scenario over the next three years that we could see a $28 billion decrease in over three years in revenue for the state and on a $40 billion annual budget. That's a lot of money. So it's it's a different ball game coming out of this. And as you talked to Rob earlier, how we come out of that and the steps that we take, including testing, um, you know, we're going to have to see what that looks like. And there was a, a, a case earlier uh, over the weekend, you might have seen a golf course in Pekin that said, we're going to go ahead and open. And, you know, that's a debate to have. Should we open something like a golf course right now? Um, how do we open retail stores, non-essential manufacturers? Those are discussions that have to occur. Well, and I'm, I, I wanted your take, too, and obviously you, you heard Rob, but, uh, and, and, you know, we've seen uh, a desire from the White House to, to want to reopen the economy against the issues of safety and those kinds of things, and, and that it doesn't, obviously it's not the light switch that a lot of people think, you know, it, it will take, and, and that it, it appears to be more of a phased-in type situation. You know, it is certainly a phased-in situation. The federal government, I think, is on their fourth stimulus package. The IMA is working with groups like the Community Bankers Association and their team to make sure that small employers have access to the Paytech Protection Act and some of these other loans, A, for, for just solvency and liquidity so they have those that money coming in. Um, and then, again, how we protect the workers and the public and the communities you know, manufacturers that are operating today, they've increased spacing and sanitation, maybe split shifts, um, taking temperatures, doing everything they can to keep their employees safe. But as we move forward, certainly the testing is going to be paramount to see who's had the virus, who's not had the virus. And, you know, it may be a case in a restaurant that maybe you can operate at 50 percent capacity. What do we, you know, we're going to have to look at different sectors. Uh, restaurants and retail is different than manufacturing, for example, or your golf course or your Baskin-Robbins store, whatever it may be. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's going to take a thought-out approach, and, and we need to start having those discussions. But the supply chain is so vast. I mean, it's like, you know, it's the manufacturers that help supply the restaurants and those kinds of things that, you know, it's all it's all part of the same trigger. 
It, it is, and we were we were very happy with the governor's executive order and that essential manufacturing was protected, not only the manufacturers but the supply chain and distribution. Uh, to that end, we have to have if the grocery stores are going to be operating uh, and we want to have the shelves stocked. You know, whether it's that loaf of bread, and as the governor said a week or so ago, it's also the bag that comes in and the twist tie. Uh, it's just not that loaf of bread, and so we have to protect those supply chains uh, to make sure that you know our grocery stores are stocked or our pharmacies have the medication that's necessary. Um, you know, we, we've got to open the economy. It's got to be done in a thoughtful approach and, and certainly a safe approach. What is What do you see it looking like on the other side? Uh, I wish I knew. Uh, you know, this is certainly <laughs> something uh, something that we have never gone through before as a country. Um, and again, I think manufacturing typically is one of the first to go into a recession, one of the last to emerge. I think for our sector, it's going to be maybe a little bit different that we're going to lead our way out of it. Uh, the products that we're going to have to continue making to make sure that the country operates, uh, whether it's food or chemicals uh, or medicines. Um, but it, it's certainly going to be a different world emerging uh, from what we saw before. And, and I think this virus, Rick, is going to continue on for some time. Uh, we're going to see certainly our Abbott's and Abbey's and our great pharmaceutical companies. I think there's about 20 different drugs right now that are in formation, uh, either a vaccine or a treatment. But, you know, that's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, you know, and once we get that in place, obviously it, it makes the world better. But for the foreseeable future, you know, we're, we're going to have to take it kind of one step at a time. Well, as I mentioned to Rob, as far as the retail sector and about kind of the uh, evolution and, and continued evolution into a digital economy, is, does this kind of thing and, and move manufacturing even more into that kind of automated technology? Well, I think every industry is going to look at it, and certainly manufacturers, you can't move everybody off a production line. Uh, But what we have seen from this is we've seen some frontline workers be able to work at home, and technology is amazing. The 5G technology and, and what we've seen, you can a lot of times operate your facility from a cell phone and see it, but you need men and women on the production line. But certainly companies over the last decade or so have increased automation. Uh, they've increased productivity while we've reduced headcount. And, you know, I think that trend is going to continue uh, moving forward. Well, and we've talked so often together about the importance of, you know, the, 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 the new jobs in manufacturing, which are the technology. And, and I just think of what students have lost in, in all of this, uh, despite attempts to, you know, do uh, at-home education and those kind of off-campus education uh i I just think of what students have lost in as they're going to be trying to enter the workforce you know you're absolutely right manufacturers employ about six hundred thousand people as we've talked about in illinois half of those men and women are going to retire in the next 10 to 15 years and we've got to replace them and to your point it takes a different skill set it takes a more advanced skill set uh, technology based and um, we've really seen we've seen the loss of that over the last uh, decade or so and there's just recently been a refocus on manufacturing jobs we hope that continues there's still going to be tremendous job openings in manufacturing and 
these are good high paying careers and uh, we hope that the schools will recognize that continue training but you know to your point this is this takes more than just walking out of high school into a job it, it takes some additional technical training because of the high skills that are needed today right and and we had talked about how you know the the which is happening the kind of the partnerships of, of private public and community colleges those kinds of things uh, to uh, basically steer students into uh technology manufacturing profession and that's that's kind of what i was getting at about losing that kind of connectivity Mm -hmm. yeah you have to have that connectivity and talking about some of the neat success stories rick of what we've seen school district 214 out in the arlington heights area and harper community college have paired up together and they're producing i think about ten thousand face shields from their manufacturing program uh, which is just a neat byproduct of what we've seen, a great partnership out there. And we need to continue these partnerships so that we train the men and women, uh, our workforce for the future. But you think the focus most immediately is going to be kind of on the continued uh, manufacturing effort to deal with the coronavirus? Absolutely. For the immediate, uh, for the immediate future, certainly – Manufacturers are focused, again, making the medicine and the emergency equipment, whether it's masks or gowns, making sure our food supply is safe and stable. Um, but, you know, we're going we're gonna to come out of this over a period of time, and manufacturers are going to do what they continue doing and, uh, you know, making a whole variety of products that are shipped around the world. Um, but I think the immediate focus right now are meeting the needs for Illinois, meeting the needs for our nation uh, while we're undergoing this pandemic. Along those lines, how much, you know, in we've all seen the stories about efforts by states and, and the federal government to procure uh, PPE. Uh, how much how much uh, how much should Illinois companies be part of that global kind of race versus supporting Illinois first? Well, our hope is that we have supply chains moving forward uh, in the future that are strong enough in Illinois and the United States to take care of the demand that we need. Uh, again, this shows. So we learned. We learned. We, we learned a lesson. You know, we, I think we did. I think we learned a lesson that certainly global trade is important and global supply chains are, are important, but we also have to make sure that we have a supply chain here in the United States and. Uh, when this pandemic hit, and obviously it hit kind of China and Asia first, and we lost a lot of our supply chains over there, and we were slow to respond here, the federal government, and manufacturers are up and running now, and they're producing this, and as Asia is coming out of this a little bit before us, we're seeing their manufacturing supply chains kind of kick back in, um, but it really showed that that we weren't ready for this pandemic, and you know, hopefully we'll be better prepared in the future, and hopefully we'll have these manufacturing, these key manufacturing products sourced in the United States and Illinois, so we don't have to worry about procuring all this from around the world. Now, uh, regular listeners know that I wanted both you and, and uh, Rob on a couple of weeks ago, and we were kind of preempted by the uh, uh, address from the White House, but uh, in early uh, April, you were uh, you were running the uh, Maker's Madness competition, and and I almost wish it was still going because it's a great armchair kind of thing for those of us who are at home. But uh, just if you could explain that, and uh, and and now we have the results. 
We do. We we had a fun contest, Rick, called Maker's Madness, the coolest thing made in Illinois, where people could mo- vote for the coolest product made in Illinois. The coolest we had thing in Illinois, coo- yes. Coolest thing made in Illinois. We had over 450 nominations, 260 unique products, 300,000 total votes over eight weeks, and the Caterpillar 797F mining truck won. It is a, Rick, it is a monster. It is the size of about a 45 hundred square foot house, twenty three feet tall, thirteen feet tires. Uh and it faced some some competition, whether it was Bloomington Beer Nuts or the John Deere Combine or the Red Solo Cup. Uh it was a fun contest that uh, to really just showcase great manufacturing products and companies that are made in the state of Illinois. Uh is the website still open by the way? So people could get a look at the uh the list? It is makersmadnessil.com. And, Rick, this is the first year. We're going to have it every year. So we'll kick this again off in uh, early 2021 where we'll take nominations and, and people can again vote for what they think the coolest thing made in Illinois is. But it, w- it was a fun tournament. It allowed us, again, to showcase great products that are made here um, and, and just a lot of fun to have. And I'm a lucky guy when we when we did this and it took off. Nowhere in my wildest dreams would I imagine we had 300,000 folks over eight weeks. That's Mark Densler, president and CEO of the Illinois Manufacturers Association. I'm Rick Pearson. Thanks for listening to The Sunday Spin.